We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Dawson here. I got Jeff Goodman with me. Hell no. John Pinkton. Are we still live? Bill the 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out. Randolph Children. DJ Khaled, you know the big DJ Khaled guy? And grow up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Pastor. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. Drink responsibly tonight. I'll be drinking with you. Jarrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid majors. This is Field of 68 after dark. Hello and welcome to Field, the Field of 68 After Dark. It is Tuesday night. We had a wild night of college hoops. We're still waiting for Texas and Baylor to go final. That was one of the only top 25 matchups we had tonight. And it looks like Michigan State is going to end up going down to Minnesota. There's seven seconds left and Michigan State is down by three there. The Mountain West got flipped on its head. The Big 12 seemingly every single week gets flipped on its head. UConn. Well, they rolled because they are the top dogs. But the story that we have to talk about, North Carolina at home loses to Clemson, dug themselves a 13-point hole before they even woke up, ended up losing 80-76. to 76. So let's dive into it right now. I'm Rob Doster. I got Jeff Goodman here with me, and I got North Carolina grad, North Carolina <laughs> legend, and the guy that was robbed for National Player of the Year. I'm not going to stop saying this, John Henson. I'm going to keep <laughs> up with this. We got to get you your trophy, just like we got to get Reggie Bush his Heisman Anthony trophy. Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, man. <laughs> Anthony Davis. Um, all right. What happened with North Carolina tonight, and uh, how did it end up going so poorly after the law or after the win over Duke on Saturday night? Um, you know. Obviously, they started off pretty bad. Clemson had some positive, you know, regression, I would say, as far as their shooting. They shot – they didn't shoot it well when they were at Clemson. So, naturally, this was going to happen. I, I just think they came out really flat. They kind of came out like when you're in NBA, when we were playing like a really good team and, you know, they knew they were going to kind of get back in the game. If you didn't put them down before halftime, you were going to lose. That's how I felt North Carolina came out. They, they, they came out flat. They kind of let them do whatever they wanted. Clemson hit some shots because if you take away the first five minutes, North Carolina wins this game probably comfortably from a statistic standpoint. But they couldn't overcome it. Um, human nature crept in. You beat Duke. This is the first, you know, I mean, maybe a second, but this is like the first real NIL Duke top-ranked win they've had. They probably had a little too much fun this weekend, and then that's what happens. Jeff? So are you saying that after you beat Duke, which I think happened, your so you went over against Duke your freshman year, just to remind you. Mm -hmm. uh, but you beat them in the final season, the regular season finale, both your sophomore and your junior years. Are you mm -hmm. telling me that you went out, John Henson, and had some fun and hit the bars? Yeah, you know, but there's a there's an innate difference between my years and the years now. I used to try to go get a I used to well, first of all, we used to get the $20 bottle of alcohol at the liquor store, right? And we would, you know, we would drink that at the dorms. Now with the NIL, I mean, these kids are buying tables. I mean, they're popping bottles. It's just a whole different level of partying. I'm just gonna be honest. So they probably had a good time and they came out flat. I mean, it took them to a, a whole half to get kind of you know, back on their feet, and Clemson just hit some timely shots. P.J. Hall kept shooting. I was hoping he would miss, and he he made some timely threes and some timely baskets. And uh, 
this is kind of why I think we put UNC a tier below the championship contenders because you look what UConn did today. They come out, they handle business, wire to wire win. On the Kempom rankings, Clemson and Butler aren't that big, aren't that far off in the, as far as their numbers say, you know, for Kempom. So that should tell you a little bit of a difference of what happened or like why UConn is who they are and North Carolina is where they're at. We'd like to welcome in everyone that was just watching Nevada and Utah State on Stadium. We are live. This is the Field of 68 After Dark. You can find us, Sirius XM Channel 84, every night, 11 o'clock, all the way through the entire night. If you're listening at 3 o'clock in the morning, you got somewhere to drive to, Channel 84. Field of 68 After Dark has got you covered. Um, guys, I'm going to read just a couple of things that came from uh, from Armando Baycott after the uh, after the game, the post-game press conference. This is courtesy of Luke DeCock from um, – Luke, I'm sorry, I can't remember where you uh, where you work off the top of my head. But he's he he covers North Carolina. He does a really good job with it. He said, according to Baycott, they had a bad practice Monday that was halted halfway through. I think that means that they probably got kicked out of practice. Is that the friendly way of saying that? Uh, they had a bad shoot around Tuesday morning, which was today, and then they showed up late for warm ups for the game on Tuesday night. And this is a quote: "We're a great team, but we're not talented enough to turn it on and off." whenever we want to. Jeff, to me, this is the first time that we've seen some of the, I guess, bad habits, some of the issues that North Carolina had last year, right? Is this just a group that maybe doesn't, hasn't quite figured out how to deal with the success yet? Or is this just, you know, every once in a while, you're going to have a bad game and sometimes you need that wake up call. Yeah, they're just, they're good, but they're not great. There's no great teams. You know, UConn is the best of, of that's out there right now. And you put UConn against John Henson's North Carolina team or, or, or that Anthony Davis Kentucky team, and, and they probably get hit by double figures. So there's just no great teams anymore. And again, Carolina had flipped this thing with its defense, right? That's what they had done mm -hmm. here. And I think they got away from that a little bit tonight, you know, Baycott was going to work on the offensive end, but what he was getting, he was giving up on the other end, and they were giving up the other end to P.J. Hall and Joe Girard. Uh, listen, give Clemson credit. I mean, think about it. They were 1-60 in 60 at the Dean Dome before tonight. This is just the second win in the history of this series uh, in Chapel Hill. So give them credit because this is a Clemson team that needed it. They were 3-6. and six. They had really started to kind of – and it really started – with a game that I was at, at Clemson, when they couldn't make a shot, like Henson said. And tonight, they come out, they make shots, they get the confidence. But Carolina came all the way back, and that's where you give Clemson credit. They didn't let Carolina take control of the game when they got back into it, when the crowd got into it. And I thought P.J. Hall, though he missed a couple free throws again, which scares me because he's done this several times over the last month or so, but they were able to, to pull out the win. I think this is going to be a win that ultimately – probably gets Clemson in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Clemson has now won at North Carolina and at Alabama. And there, there was no doubt heading into tonight, John, whether or not Clemson was going to be a tournament team, at least according to our bracket show fielding the 68. Uh, we had them as an eight seed heading into tonight. But now I think you can make the argument that they have the best two wins, right, at North Carolina and at Alabama. How many teams have two wins that are better than those two uh, true road win. So I want to ask you this, John. What what is this Clemson team's ceiling? Okay, we know what they can be. They we know that they can win these big games. We've seen them have duds. You know, at home against Virginia is the one that kind of stands out. Um, they looked uh, just okay in a loss at home to Georgia Tech. That's not exactly the kind of loss that you want to take. Um, but we've seen how good they can be. Where do you stand on them? What's their ceiling? Is this a team that can get to the second weekend of the Big Dance? Definitely their ceiling is second week of the big dance. For me, you know, when I watched him play, P.J. Hall, I love him as a player, but he kind of frustrates me because he kind of takes he takes a lot of shots, and I think he takes a shot that the shots that the defense gives him. Sometimes that's not going to work. This is why they're probably five and six. You have to sometimes attack. He took a mid-range jumper, and the game was getting a little close and, and a little kind of sketchy, which he should have probably attacked Armando. Um, and so that's, I think, offensively, for them to be at their highest peak, P.J. Hall has to almost not take everything the defense has given you, maybe take better shots or attack a little more. 
Um, he shot a lot of threes tonight. He was four of ten, good percentage wise. But there was a lot of threes that he kind of maybe could have passed up on. Um, was a pretty good shooter. But as far as the team in general, um, they can definitely get to the second week, and they've beat two high level teams at their place. So we see what they can be. It's just a matter of if shots are going to fall in and. and you know, I, I don't think it's because of they can't shoot. I think it's about taking the right shots. Even Gerard, he took some threes. He made some, but like I would call it fool's gold. Shot. Those shots are not gonna fall. Those though, yeah, right. those clips, those shots are not gonna fall every game, every week. They got fortunate tonight that they fell, and Carolina still almost beat them at the end of the game. Yeah, Goodman, you you kind of touched on this a little bit, but we see this a lot around this time of year, right? Where you have a team that is a little bit desperate, that really needs a win, uh, go on the road against a, a favorite opponent, a, a final four threat, a, a conference challenger, whatever it is, and just get this big run at the start of the game when they're all juiced up and the team that they're playing is kind of, you know, walking, going through the motions and, and not exactly as fired up as as the other team is, which it would in this case would be Clemson. And you see them blow that lead. Like, how often do we sit here and say, all right, it's time to jump on that live line. All right, Kansas is down by 12 at home. Hit that live line. Uh, I know I hit that live line for North Carolina quite a bit tonight, and it did not work all, all that well. I donated this a little bit more money to uh, to bet MGM. But I think that was the most impressive part to me, Jeff, is that they took the punches. Every single time North Carolina threw a haymaker, Clemson just sat there and ate it. You know, and Harris Ingram got hit at the end of the game, and I don't know how effective he was after he got he got knocked down. But to me, I still think like, okay, the silver lining in the last this game, and, and obviously the Duke game was Armando Baycott, right? Like he's come back, he's got that kind of demanding get me the ball, and I thought he's sealing much better. And if you do, like Kadoe's gonna get you the ball. I mean, that's the one thing you know. He's going to look to get you the ball in spots where you can score. Um, RJ hasn't been quite as dominant, but the guy that I still say, and we've been saying it all year, right? Who have we been saying all year? They're going to make shots. He's going to make shots eventually. Cormac Ryan. And he just hasn't been consistent making shots. Now, he's given them everything else they've needed, right? Leadership, a vocal presence, intangibles, toughness, all that. But at some point, I think Cormac Ryan's got to step up and be a more consistent threat from the perimeter to take some of the pre- – because if he can, then I think you put him as the third-best team in the country. If he's not, I think on some nights they're the third-best team, but you you kind of throw him in a hat with a bunch of other teams, and, and I think they're all about the same based on matchups. All right, let's stick in the state of South Carolina and head on over to Columbia where the Gamecocks improved to 20 and three on the season. The campaign was successful. We have ranked South Carolina. They are currently sitting as the number 15 team in America, and they're probably not going to go anywhere after holding on uh, to what was at one point a 15 point lead against Ole Miss and eventually came down to a chance where uh, Chris Beard's squad had a chance to tie the game at the buzz of the line there with South Carolina minus three and a half. Again, not great for uh, for all Rob's bet MGM account right there with the way that that thing played out. But um, Henson, I, I, the more I watch the South Carolina team play, the more I buy the idea that they actually are a real threat to win the SEC. Right, they have really good. They have tough guards. They play that kind of Virginia style where they make it really difficult to play against them in the sense that they control tempo. You're not going to get fast breaks on them. You're never going to get anything easy, and they are going to run their offense until they get a good shot. What do you make of South Carolina? What do you make of Lamont Paris? Well, tonight's game, they just I, I, when I was watching, I had the sound off actually, but they just looked like men out there against. Ole Miss. They just kind of just look like men, just grown men out there, how they were boarding and just finishing and just manhandling them on the boards. Ole Miss made a good run to come back in there, but the things they do are going to travel. You're not going to, you're not just going to catch them on an off night. You're going to have to beat them. And with how inconsistent college basketball has been, this is why they're 20 and three, eight, two in a conference threatening to win the whole thing at this point, because what they do, they defend, they run their offense. They, 16 assists on 28 makes tonight. You know, they're going to be tough to beat. They're solid, and solid is going to get you wins in this season. 
and they're going to keep rolling, man. They looked really good tonight, and, and you're going to have to come in there and be tough, physical. Also, by the way, they have the high-level guard play. Michi Johnson had eight assists tonight, one turnover. I mean, um, it's time to start believing in them. I'm a believer now for sure. So especially after watching them a full game like this, they're really good. Yeah, shout out to Taylon Cooper. I call him Teflon Cooper because he is so damn <laughs> tough. I love watching that kid play. Um, and the Maury Broyles guy, the 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 big kid. I, I, I'm blanking on his first name, He's but awesome. he like he is Colin. a hell of a player Colin. too. They made a couple of column uh, column Murray Broyles. They made some big shots. Goodman, this is the situation in the SEC right now. Alabama is sitting in first place by a half a game over South Carolina. They are South Carolina is a half a game in the win column ahead of Auburn. Alabama goes on the road to play Auburn tomorrow night. If Auburn defends their home court, if they went to the jungle, then South Carolina, Alabama, and Auburn are sitting there all tied for first place in the SEC. Tennessee would be uh, two games back in the win column because they have already had one of their bye weeks. And then you got Kentucky um, two games out of first place. But it looks at this point like it's a four-horse race, Jeff. And uh, Kentucky is not one of those four teams. We'll talk about that in a second. For Lamont Paris to get this South Carolina group into that conversation, are we talking National Coach of the Year here? Are we talking SEC Coach of the Year here? Yeah, he, he's he's my front runner today. Now, again, things change quickly, and things could change for South Carolina quickly. They're not the most talented team, but I'll tell you what, I, I played a lot of blackjack with those boys down in Atlantis. They have great chemistry. They hang out. They have fun. They don't know how to play blackjack worth a shit but they win like BJ Mack has no idea what he's doing at the table, but he won a lot of money. Beachy Johnson, same thing. So if you go back to that, you kind of knew luck was on their side this year, but they don't need luck because they guard they're tough. And you know what? Listen, we look at Alabama and Auburn and we're like, they're so much more talented. I don't think they're that much more talented. I think South Carolina's got a bunch also of mid major transfer ups, just like Alabama. Mm -hmm just like Auburn, and these dudes, again, they play hard, they guard every night, and they play together, and they play with a chip on their shoulder. And they won, what, six straight? And this was a huge one on the heels of a big road win at Tennessee. Yeah, and they just keep winning, man. They, they just keep winning, and there's something to be said for being able to win the games that you're supposed to win. Uh, coming up next, the Big 12 – Seems to always have something insane happen. Tonight is no different. We got to talk about Kelvin Sampson's epic ejection. What's going on, guys? Before we get back to the show, I need to let you all know about the Field of 68 Daily, an all-encompassing college basketball newsletter that arrives in your inbox, you guessed it, daily. For less than a dollar a week, you'll wake up every morning to more than 1,500 words detailing everything that you need to know to stay up to date on the world of college basketball. From the notable mid-major upsets to the stars that are out injured to the breakout performances that only our team of college basketball junkies watched. The Daily is edited and produced by Mike Miller, who spent more than two decades running NBC's digital written content. And it's subscribed by more than half of the Division I coaching staffs, the biggest names in college basketball media, and the agents that work as power brokers in the sport. For just $50 for the year, you get access to the same information that the insiders get. And before we get you back to your regularly scheduled Field of 68 content, let me tell you guys about the Field of 68 merch store. Head over to fieldof68.shop for officially branded Field of 68 apparel. Whether you're supporting your favorite team in the student section or from the couch, there is no better way to gear up and the latest from the Field of 68. The best thing I can say about our merch is the quality of the product. Anyone that has ever worn a t-shirt knows how frustrating it is when the neck gets all stretched out and the bottom of the shirt starts looking like the bottom of bell-bottom jeans. And there's nothing worse than a hoodie that loses its snugness that makes it such a perfect way to stay warm during the cold winter weather. Whether you're shopping for yourself or for the college basketball fan in your life, everything you need is at the Field of 68.shop. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Tuesday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doster. I have Jeff Goodman. I have John Henson. We are live on Sirius XM Channel 84, and we're also over on Stadium right now. Make sure you jump in the chat. Ask us some questions. We're going to be doing last call at midnight over on stadium answering everything that you have to ask us before we do we got to talk about the big 12 kansas goes on the road to kansas state last night and loses iowa state goes on the road today to texas and wins houston hosts oklahoma state no surprise there they got a victory kelvin sampson got tossed we got to talk about that and texas tech and baylor are finishing up uh, a game in waco right now it is 78 71 with 14 seconds left i don't think baylor's gonna blow that lead we'll get into that in a second henson before we do kelvin sampson up by 20 in the second half there's one little push that is not called and he goes from the opposite bench storms all the way down the floor makes it all the way into the lane and cusses out i think every single ref the assistant referee the scorekeeper buddy in the stands i think he got the guy that comes out and towels off the floor when two people take free throws and the floor gets a little bit sweaty what do you make of that ejection that was an all-timer well when i played when we would beat duke by five or maybe go down to Florida State and win a tough fought battle. Coach Williams was happy. When we would beat Georgia Tech by 20, I mean, he was ready to rip rip the doors off their locker room. So so coaches, when they're up big, they want to build good habits. They know that's how you build good habits, right? You keep playing through all that. With Coach Sampson and the refs, honestly, I would have been mad too because, hey, I, I know human nature kicks in. Don't feel bad for them. Make the call. Zach Eady, the same way. If it's a foul every time, call a foul every time. Don't feel bad because they can't go. Like, I, I see sometimes in these games, coach, like, I feel like the rest feel bad. Like, oh, let me not call that. Let me, let me, like, it's so in that game, he, he, he was like, that's a foul. I don't care if we're up by 20 and they had eight points in 15 minutes. Call the foul. Don't feel bad for these guys. So that was my view on the thing. And, and, and I think he got his point across. And I think coaches are starting to get their point across to these refs. If you start to look and kind of see what's going on in this landscape, these college refs are not getting away with the stuff maybe that they thought they can. But yeah, that that was my take on that. I, I think it was well, it was warranted. They were up by a lot, but I feel like the refs, you know, human nature kicked in. Now oh, we feel bad for these guys. We're not going to make all the calls we can. No, no, it's it's that's your job. If if they have two points in twenty minutes and it's a foul, call the foul. And that's kind of my take on that situation. All right, Goodman. If you look at the Big 12 standings right now, all right, a live snapshot, Houston is yeah. in first place. They're sitting there at seven and three in the league. UCF is in 11th place, and they are sitting there with five losses. They are two games out of first place in the Big 12 in 11th place. So I, I just, what do you make of this conference, right? I, 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 think I, I wrote a, yeah, I wrote a I wrote a quote down from you before because I thought it was pretty funny the way that you phrased it. You said, it's a good mess to have, but it is an effing mess. Talk to me about this yeah. Big 12 conference. Well, it is. I mean, again, because you, you trying to figure it out is so difficult from our standpoint. Now, uh, somebody asked me uh, the other day before the Kansas game, they said, like, all right, what do you think? Who's going to win the league? I said, well, I'm just going to stick with, like, Houston and Kansas sharing the title. And, and I'm not changing that, even though Kansas right now is – 
what are they, game back? I mean, they're game back at Houston. Now they have to beat Houston probably at the Fertitta Center uh, to be able to do this. But, you know, it's an unbalanced schedule. Um, Texas Tech was in great shape, what, 10 days ago? 10 days ago, they had one loss. Mm -hmm. Now look at them. They got four losses. They've lost three games in a row. Things can change quickly in the Big 12. I think as much as anything, you better be mentally tough. Because, again, you go through a three- or four-game losing streak, you're in major trouble in this league. Uh, you can't you can't lose more than a couple in a row, and you got to win your, your home games. you got to protect home court as much as anything. But there's just not a lot of separation because, let's face it, like Kansas is really good, but they're not like they've been. They're not deep. We know what their, their woes are, right? Houston is good but not overpowering good. And a lot of these teams that we didn't think were going to be great, BYU, Cincinnati coming into the league, even UCF, they're getting wins over some of these teams. So the gap has shrunk. Henson, it's kind of a war of attrition in this conference, and it feels yep. like one of the teams that is built for that is Iowa State. And Goodman kind of hit on them a little bit before. Um, without diving too much into what their schedule looks like, because I'm a firm believer that you just count the number of road games and home games. That you have left it doesn't matter who the opponent is is it home you got a chance to win is it on the road Eh, you better get a little bit lucky but this is a team and a program built by tj otzelberger into one that it doesn't really matter what they've lost the season before they just keep winning they just keep playing the same way and they just keep beating people up like literally beating them up yeah. that's how iowa state wants to play is there can they get this done they're a half game out of first place a, a game behind houston in the win column I think they can get it done because on the division one toughest remaining strengths of schedules, 10 out of the 11 teams are in the big 12. <laughs> Kansas has the toughest remaining schedule. Iowa state has the, I guess, least toughest remaining schedule out of the 11 or out of the top 10. Houston has the next the next uh, easiest schedule out of the top 10. So by just virtue of their schedule, Iowa state could win this thing. Houston and Iowa State look like they could win this thing if they went out the games they're supposed to win out. Kansas looks like they're in trouble. They got the toughest schedule in the country the next part of this season. So Iowa State, they defend. They're tough. That travels. We talked about with South Carolina. We talked about that with UVA, who's kind of surging up. We talked about with North Carolina, who had a bad loss, but they defend and, and they force you to play their style of basketball. Iowa State fits in that mold. And they're just quietly creeping up in the standings and – you know, you're going to look in two weeks and they're going to be tied for first or have a chance to win this whole thing. I think along with Houston, I think Kansas will falter. They just have a tougher schedule coming up. But um, those two teams, Iowa State and then, you know, Houston are, are the two teams I'm looking at to potentially win the Big 12. Yeah, Iowa State obviously got the win at Texas tonight. Um, they were up big early. They kind of almost choked it away. It had a little bit of uh, Clemson, North Carolina vibes there um, down mm -hmm. the stretch. Jeff, Texas goes on the road to Baylor. Uh, Baylor had that little blip where they lost three in a row. They lost in overtime at Kansas State. They lost at Texas on a buzzer beater from uh, Tyrese Hunter. And then they lost that ridiculous three-overtime game uh, against TCU. That was about two weeks ago, now a little more than two weeks. Um, but they pick up the win at home against Texas Tech. They are, like Iowa State, sitting here at 6-3 and three in the Big 12. Uh, they head to Kansas on Saturday. If you find a way to win at Kansas on Saturday – are we kind of overlooking this team? Because they're like they're basically three possessions away from sitting here. And I know we can't do this. This is it's not the way it works. But they're basically three possessions away from being undefeated in the in the Big Twelve right now. <laughs> All right, sure. Um, <laughs> you know, listen again. Baylor's like so many of these other teams, right? Like if 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 Baylor plays their A game, they can beat any of these teams. And I think this is the the thing with, with the Big 12 in the NCAA tournament where we're going to look at them, they're going to get good seats. They are. They're going to get a bunch of good seats for the most part because, again, they took care of business in the non-conference. And those teams that really, like Iowa State and TCU, that didn't play anybody, well, they've got enough opportunities in the Big 12 and they've knocked off enough of them. Um, Baylor, to me, Ray J. Dennis is the key to this team. I've said it all year. I, I just think when he plays well, they're awfully difficult to beat. Jacoby Walters kind of hit a wall a little bit. Hopefully he can kind of get his legs back and his confidence back because I think it was so easy for him. He was like the one freshman, right, that came out of the gates that we were like, holy cow, everybody else is struggling, maybe other than Dillingham. 
uh, and Reed Shepard. But but he was so good. He's hit a wall. But to me, again, uh, Ray J. Dennis has been the key for them because he – Gottlieb said this the other day too, and it was really interesting. I don't know what you think of this, but uh, we were talking about point guards. And he was like, the reason I love the Big 12 is because you look at those teams and every one of those teams pretty much has a high-level point guard, right? I mean, look, mm-hmm. Pop Isaac, Shed, Ray J. Dent, like go down the line, right? Uh, Tyrese Hunter, obviously, Harris for Kansas. They all have them. So I actually have confidence in the Big East in the NCAA tournament where a lot of people are going to be like, well, they are they as good as we think, right? Like the middle, you know, even McCollum at Oklahoma, uh, BYU's got shooters. We'll talk about them. I, I don't know. I just feel like that's the separator for this league is their point guard play on the whole is much better than every other league. Yeah, I, I I tend I've come around and I tend to agree with that a little bit more, mostly because if you look at everybody else, like we can say whatever we want about the middle of the Big 12, like at least those teams are tough. Uh, there's a lot of teams in the middle to bottom of the Big East, the middle to bottom of the ACC, the middle to bottom of the SEC, the uh, like Rob, not Rob, in the top of the Pac-12. Arizona and Colorado are coming, by the way. Yeah. yeah all right. So <laughs> scary. Yeah, that's that's basically what you got, man. It's the that that league is going to be so ridiculous <laughs> yeah. the next couple, next couple of years. I just feel for like Mike Boynton at Oklahoma State, man. Like, how are you going to get that thing going? Like, how how is it going to work? It's just it, there's there were more Kansas State fans in the building. I, in Oklahoma I, I, I got State a I got a quote there. that was told to me by it. I'm not going to say his name, but they said, "Hey, how do you think we're getting kids to stay out Oklahoma? They better get that checkbook out." <laughs> yeah, right. You better hope the Oklahoma City Thunder want to make it be like their, their minor league team. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just – I want to circle back to on, on, on Kansas real quick because I'm – the more that I watch them, the more I think that they are just going to be one of those teams that runs out of gas when you get to March, right? They basically have five dudes. They can't play their bench right now. Oh, Marco Jackson is, is, is a mess. Jamari McNowell needs a year. Um, Nick Timberlake just has not figured out the confidence. You bring in Parker Brown and like he does good things, but he's like a, a Santa Clara transfer coming in and trying to replace Hunter Dickens. Their first five are really good. I think it was the first time that we kind of saw, uh, you know, Johnny Furphy's legs get to them. We saw them get affected a little yeah. bit by, by being yeah. a little bit tired, getting going to overtime. So I'm that's well, there's being a, in the road. Concerned Fur- being on the road yeah. in a hostile environment too, Rob. Furphy hurt them down the stretch defensively a couple plays. He made some some crucial mistakes down the stretch that I don't know if people weren't really watching. Furphy hurt them last, that, last night. It was the same thing at West Virginia. He missed a couple box outs. And if you go back and listen to Bill Self's press conferences, he even acknowledged like the only way teams were scoring down the stretch at West Virginia, at Kansas State, were getting those offensive rebounds. Listen, we got to we gotta take a quick break. When we come back, Kentucky was in action. They looked a little bit better than they did against Tennessee. And we got to talk about UConn and Butler, the number one team in the country. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. 
field 158. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Tuesday evening edition of The Field of 68 After Dark. Rob Doster, John Henson, Jeff Goodman. We are live on Stadium and live over on Sirius XM at Channel 84, presented by our partners over at BetMGM. All right. Kentucky, after getting absolutely humiliated at home against Tennessee on Saturday, turns around and goes to Vanderbilt, goes to Nashville, plays what amounts to a home game. You could hear the Gold Big Blue chants very loudly on TV and wins 109 to 77. Robert Dillingham got it going again. He had 20 points, nine assists. Uh, just a single turnover on 12 shots. Antonio Reeves had 24. Justin Edwards, Henson, it's nice to see him kind of get it going a little bit. Mm -hmm. All told, there were six Wildcats in double figures. Big Z, 11 points, seven boards, six offensive rebounds. He had a he had a dime to Aaron Bradshaw for a lob. And before he even got back on defense, he was like trying to chest pump him. It was one of, he looked like a like an eight-year-old celebrating a layup that he just made. Um, but I'm happy to see him kind of get it going. He also fouled out in 12 minutes, which is a, a very impressive thing to do. What do you make of Kentucky? Are they back, Henson? Is Kentucky back? Has this convinced you? You know, I don't know if you suit, you know. Me, you, Rob, Je me, Rob, Jeff, and our two producers against Vanderbilt. I don't know what the spread would be, but we might could be able to. We might could cover, honestly. So you know, I'm not gonna give too much credit tonight. But um, they, can they you score better now, Henson. Can we throw it into you in the post? Could you score against Vandy? You know, at the end of my career, I was transitioning to the perimeter, so I got the three ball threat. I think that's a little better these days. So. <laughs> But uh um, so the answer yeah, is no, we can't throw yeah. it to you in the post. If you, you can throw it to me in the post right now, today, two years done from the league, I'll, I'll go get you a bucket. You're gonna have to double team me, probably. I, you know, but hey, um, Henson, yeah. Tyler, Tyler taught me this. Tyler taught me this chicks dig jump hooks, man. Make basketball physical again. Let's go. <laughs> they call me, listen, my nickname is J Hook. Like, that's what I that's my go to move, the left jump hook. So I, I'm, I'm with it. Me and T Hands, we. We're right here together. Um, <laughs> but Kentucky looked like, you know, that's the offensive ceiling that they can bring to the table. Um, I don't think, you know, they, they played defense decent, 35% from the field, 32% from the three. Um, but, you know, they out-rebounded them 50 to 28 too. So, you know, this is the Kentucky that we come, you know, want to see and expect to see. But then again, we don't know what we're going to see. I think he switched up the starting lineup today too, right? Did he switch up? The yeah, but they they were dealing with some injuries. No, Trey Mitchell injuries, was okay. out because of a back injury. Yeah, and DJ Shepard is uh, DJ Shepard. DJ Wagner is still dealing with the ankle. Yeah, yeah. So you know uh, that this might be something to look at. It looks like he played all the big. Uh, it looks like all the bigs are splitting minutes too, or, or today they did. So mm -hmm. you know, it looks like it's going to be a committee thing, which I think will be good for Kentucky. But you know, if they play at the level they can play offensively and just guard a little bit, they'll be there at the end. Um, but the way this season, they, they don't have any more slip-ups to win the SEC, right? They don't have any more slip-ups. And, you know, you start to look at how the seeding goes with the tournament, right? Like, you slip down too far, and you're going to have to see potentially, like, second weekend Purdue. Like, you know what I'm saying? Or you're going to potentially have mm -hmm. to see, you know, if you're an eight or nine seed, you're going to have to see, you know, eight or nine seed is going to be a team that could beat everyone, right? Like a, a Rutgers or maybe like a Nebraska, right? A team that's scary or plucky. You know, we used that word earlier. So um, Kentucky's got to start rounding off some wins because they could get a bad matchup early. And being as a young team, they won't have a chance to get their feet wet and warm up and kind of say, okay, well, this is the tournament. They might have to play a dog right off the bat, and that's not going to bode well for them. Yeah, right now our current bracket projection has them as a six playing that's not Virginia in the first round of the yeah, tournament. Exactly. That, I don't know if that would go you don't very want. well for them. You don't want that. Yeah, That is not I, what I will, you want John Calipari. Yeah, I, I just want to say real quick, I, I I took I spent too much time 
too much time watching film on Kentucky this morning, trying to figure out. Uh, I, I wanted to make a little like X's and O's breakdown. This is how you fix Kentucky's defense. And I just, I don't know if it's fixable, man. Like Reed Shepard is uh, lost off the ball. Like he needs, he needs a lot of repping out there. Robert Dillingham uh, is, has some of the worst defensive plays that I have ever seen watching film it, like he he he's he's lost on that end of the floor Aaron Bradshaw is still figuring out like what to do there are times John where you can watch them play and you will not know what ball screen coverage they are in right most of the time you should be able to figure out what at least what you're trying to do right you don't know if they're in drop you don't know if they're hedging because you'll have uh Robert Dillingham will be trying to ice a ball screen while uh Aaron Bradshaw is up there hedging on the ball screen and you just got a guy with a wide open lane to the layup you don't have any help side because Trey Mitchell's not doing anything down there that's just communication that's that's all that is Mm -hmm. communication which is the number one thing that I struggle with as a young player in the NBA and what all young players struggle with just communication and so that's not going to go away. Um, and they don't have like a veteran. I mean, they got Trey Mitchell, but they don't have a veteran big. That but he's not a good defender. He's exactly. not a good defender. They don't have, I've said this, they don't have a plus defender on their team. On their team. Yep. I've said Antonio Reeves, I think, is their best perimeter defender. I know you said Reed Shepard, mm-hmm. Rob. I, I think it's Reeves just because he's a veteran. I'm taking back my Reed Shepard is their best perimeter take right. after watching the film and diving he's into it. He's not good. He's not good. Here's what he is, and this is why it's tough to evaluate individual defenders, is that he can make he has terrific anticipation. He jumps passing lanes, he makes steals, he can make plays on the ball. Like if you're guarding at the point of attack, he is a pest, right? But when you ask him to like play a a switching one through four defense, if you ask him to play off the ball and and make rotations, like that's the other thing, is is when they kind of get into those like scramble drill kind of situations they don't know whose rotation is what so you get a lot of these wide open threes because you got to scramble here and the 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 wrong guy makes a rotation to one place and all of a sudden two guys are left wide open it's just you know what it is it's it's this simple there's a whole bunch of freshmen that looked like they never really were coached up on the defensive end of the floor before they got there which is normal and also what happens when your freshman class is not anthony davis michael kid gilchrist and marquise t right like it just but how much time Rob, how much time have they spent on offense over defense? You can see it this year. Mm-hmm. How much time have you just focused, if you're John Calipari and John Welch, on your offense instead of your defense in the preseason and early in the season? Yep. Um, I, I do think that they are good enough where uh, if you don't run into a team like a Tennessee that is really, really good when it comes to executing in the half court that can run some complicated actions offensively. Like you should, probably should be fine. But if they run into something like a, let's just say like a UConn, UConn will beat them by 50 because they are just going to tear apart that defense with their movement. If they run into someone like a Purdue and the things that they can do, like it's just, I feel like Kentucky's one of those teams where they are going to beat the teams that they're supposed to beat and you're going to have a hard time seeing them find a way to be able to pull an upset against one of like the top five or six teams in college basketball. Let's move on. I mentioned you. I I have one Um, last thing, Rob. I have one last thing to close the Kentucky book. All right. So now in the last 48 hours, Henson, Rob Doster has now said three things. He has said that Kentucky cannot be a final four team. John Calipari is on the hot seat and their defense cannot be fixed. I just want it out there. I believe uh, I believe I, all I, three of those things. I, I think it's because it, it it takes a veteran presence that's been there to change. Like I said, I, I I've I've been on young teams. I've been it's just communication. And if there's nobody to communicate, mm-hmm. and we're not Coach Kyle's not some defensive savant, right? Like he's not that guy. So it's just going to be look if you if you can break their defense down and you're patient, you'll beat them. If you want to shoot it out with them, good luck. Yep. All right. Um, we, uh, I think we have a special guest showing up here. Um, yeah, if we're, if we're, uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. All right. Um, my UConn take. They go and they beat Butler tonight at home. Um, I want you guys to just kind of tell me what you think about this, right? I feel like UConn last year was Andre Jackson. That's kind of the identity of what the team was, right? Uh, you had a team that could make the flashy plays, that could go on these runs. You were just kind of waiting for the avalanche, right? Like they would just be there, they're there, they're, they're, boom, all mm-hmm. of a sudden they're up by 20. You don't really know what hits you. 
this team feels more like death by a thousand cuts, right? You kind of slowly get ground down. They don't play great. They do like what, what they did tonight where they just – Butler was never able to really make that run where it felt like they were threatening. UConn was never really able to pull away. It felt like the same thing happened against St. John's on Sunday. And to me, this team is kind of like epitomizes what Cam Spencer is. Does that make sense? Like it just feels like they're kind of uh, slowly grinding teams down, and that's who Cam Spencer is as a player, John. Um, you know, UConn, um, they know how to win. They just know how to win. Um, that's what they do. That's how they play. Um, even tonight, I watched the game down the stretch. Butler, you know, made some big plays, and uh, they just – Kept fighting, they kept breaking them down, and it, UConn hit some timely. Cam Spence hit a timely three. Trisha Newton hit a Trisha Newton hit a timely three as well. You know, just to kind of keep the game where it was at. But they just know how to win, and that's saying something in this landscape of college basketball. They know how to win. When when the game was on the line, when they need a good shot, they need a good possession. They make the right play. They make the right pass. It always seems like if there's a run being made, and you're you know down by five or six points. UConn gets a bucket the next possession almost every time. And, and that's just the DNA that they are. They're champions. They've been there before. They don't falter. And uh, that's why, you know, going into the tournament, man, probably they're going to be the number one overall seed with a chance to go back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Jeff? Yeah, I mean, listen, they're, they're well-coached. They've got a bunch of players that are all, again, I, I keep saying it whenever I watch them play, I just feel like I'm watching a bunch of, like, Adults, pros, guys who know how to make the right decision, guys who play together. They're they're not they're not out to get their own. They're not making mistakes. They're not making dumb mistakes, and they're playing hard as shit. And I, I think all that works. You know, these are these are guys who are completely bought in, and it's easy to be bought in right now. You're looking at your head coach, and he's saying like, yeah, yeah, like I got the formula. That's what he says over and over now. I got the formula. I've won the whole thing. So you're going to listen to him right now because he's got all the juice to be able to, to again, get guys' attention, especially Caravan and Newton and Klingon, who were there last year. Yeah, they have uh, five different guys that can win you a game on any given night. We've seen Tristan Newton do it. We've seen Steph Castle do it. We've seen Caravan do it tonight. Donovan Klingon, 18 points, 14 boards, three assists, three blocks. Cam Spencer, 20 points, four rebounds, three assists. Coming up next. We got to talk about Indiana's comeback against Ohio State, and we got to break down the Mountain West. Big news, guys. I am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Autograph, a company founded by the GOAT himself, Tom Brady. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content, fan contests, and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, and yes, I am calling him Tom, we're on a first name basis these days, co-founded Autograph. He had one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. It works like this. You get all of your college hoops content you want in one place. You get articles from your favorite writers, pods from your favorite hosts, Contests from your favorite creators, all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy. But instead of having to go to all these different places, it all comes to you in one spot. The Autograph Fandom Map. But here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up and status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68, that's F68, or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. It really is that simple. Welcome back to the Tuesday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. We have a surprise guest, PJ Hall, Clemson star, fresh off of a win in the Dean Dome. PJ, is that your second win in your career in that building? No, it's actually my first up there. Uh, No, it's my first. So I was a senior in high school when they won the first time. I I wish I was on that team. That was a historic win, but 
Um, I lost last year for the first time playing up there. This one was pretty good, PJ. I mean, obviously you came in and you needed it. You know, three and six in your last nine. I was there, you know, for your home game against Carolina where you missed some key free throws. You didn't play well. Joe didn't play well. I saw you walking out of that arena and you felt like you had let one probably slip away at home there. How important was this win for you guys and your confidence to, to try to turn this thing back? Yeah, I mean, it was a huge win. We had a couple tough losses. Uh, the, the loss at Duke was a, a pivotal one that we thought we'd let get away. Obviously, the one at home against Georgia Tech, that that hurt. But, you know, as Coach Brownells kept saying, you know, just keep chopping wood, keep at it. And we've been playing better ball than our record shows. And so coming up here to UNC, we knew that we had the tools to win, and we executed and got the win. PJ, so the last three games, I've seen like an uptick in your kind of offensive, maybe shots that you've taken, even three-pointers. Is that something that you've taken upon yourself? Like, you know what? This is kind of make or break, do or die right now. We need to get some wins. So you start to be more aggressive offensively, or is it just kind of coming within the flow of the offense? Kind of a little bit of both. I've actually been struggling yeah. from three, and tonight was kind of a breakout mm-hmm. game for me. I, uh, the last three or four games, I really hadn't been shooting the ball well. And They've all been great misses and great shots that I normally take. And so, you know, the whole message from the team has been, you know, P.J. keeps shooting the ball, and especially coming from our best shooters, whenever they say that to me, is, is a huge confidence boost. And so, you know, knowing that I can make that from the outside, and it, like you said, though, the uptick in the offense is really just coming come throughout the flow of the game. And uh, we have so many weapons that hurt people that, that allows me to kind of not get doubled a whole lot. And so that's, that's a huge blessing for me. Uh, PJ, I think Ian Shefflin might be my favorite player in college basketball. My man Terrence Oglesby called him uh, Charles Barkley with better hair the other day on our show, and uh, I just when he when he's out there and the 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 physicality that he can bring inside allows you to kind of play out in the perimeter a little bit more. What does he bring this team? And when he plays well, what does it mean for you guys? He brings us man, so many extra extra possessions. Uh, people watching the game a lot of times don't realize like what necessarily offense rebound does like you gotta think about it, at the end of the game that's an extra extra possession that you're getting and if you if you get end up getting more than them you're basically lining up and saying all right you get four or five more possessions and then they start the game from there and so it's uh it's huge for us to have a guy getting in there getting those extra possessions and making sure that we're getting those second chance points in the glass and he's been huge for us and obviously that's what he's kind of got his niche known for, but he's shooting like 60% from three on limited attempts. Wherever he's shooting, he's knocking them down. He, uh, he's been huge for us this year. PJ, you, you've been there forever. Where does this win rank for you in your career? Uh, it, uh, man, it's up there. It's fun. It's, uh, it was a great win. And, you know, it also was pivotal. We, we needed that win. We needed to kind of flip the script, as I've been saying. And uh, it's about time. It's about time. So uh, we got another one coming up on Saturday, and uh, we're, we're going to start prepping for it and get ready. Question is, is you know, since you guys have – this is only twice in the history of the series that you've won in Carolina. Is that something that <laughs> – You had to like get that elephant? in there. Is, no, no, no. Like, is, that something, is that something that's an elephant in the room that you guys don't really talk about? Or no, you're like, nah, like, let's, let's get this win. I know it's something that has eluded us for a while. Or is it kind of like you guys leave it alone and just, you know, come in there and, and, and prepare for the game? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I hear that stat all the time. And, you know, yeah. when I go into games, I, I really don't even think about it. Like, then, yeah. like, it's, oh, historic win. It is a historic win. And, uh, but also, it's like, in real time, it's like, hey, like, this is just a win we needed, a win we had to get in the win column. And we went up there and executed, got it done. Uh, obviously, for our fans, it's huge to go up there and win because we don't do it a whole lot, or we haven't in the past. But, for us and for me, it's really just like, hey, we're going up there playing a good team. Let's go up there and kick some tail and get out of there with a dub. <laughs> PJ, I love the mindset, man. Listen, we appreciate you jumping on. You can tell everybody else in the back of the bus they can be loud again. Thank you for joining the show, and congratulations on the win. Good luck, man. Appreciate you all. Thanks, PJ. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, PJ. That was PJ Hall, the star of – uh Clemson's win at North Carolina just the second time it's ever happened John I love that you made sure to, to get in there it's only happened no, I'm just twice. curious like like you gotta think before they won one like you know like because you know there's like for instance when I played uh we had not won in Portland 
or maybe it was San Antonio for like 10 years. So like, we just kind of like, we knew, but we didn't say nothing, right? Like we just knew that mm-hmm. we had never, we haven't won here since I was like seven, you know what I'm saying? So I just wonder kind of what the, t- the thought process is. Like you guys say, hey, look, we need to win. Like we need, come on now. Like we ain't won here in a hundred years. Like let's, let's get a win. Yep. I think All right, good. We're going to I think Henson wanted our producer Dagan to put John Henson's record uh, in Chapel Hill against Clemson three and zero. I think that's what he wanted up there. John Henson's record, all the way to Lenny Rosenbluth's record. Like you know, I mean, it goes back. Good old Lenny. I like it. That's my guy. That was my guy when I was there. Man, he's always been every game. All right, listen. We're going to save the Indiana-Ohio State conversation for last call because I want to get into the Mountain West. Look, hey, you guys know how much I, I, I love need this league, this. right? I'll just say. Yeah. I, I need – yeah, it's a, it's a mess, man. We'll talk about Michigan State there as well. But I want to talk about the Mountain West. I love this league so much. I think that tonight Nevada going into Utah State and getting a win has pretty much – I don't want to say it's solidified, but it's put them in the position where it is more likely than not that we are going to get a six-bid Mountain West, which is one of the coolest things. I, I think I just I, I love the league. I love the storylines. I love the players. The coaches are awesome. Jeff, the home court environments are great. You're going to find out all about that in, what is it, like a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, and I love that the success that we thought that the league would end up having is going to be something that it, it, it it's going to happen. We're going to get six bids as long as these teams don't do something dumb. Like, I, I just – I love where this league is headed. How big was this one for Nevada today? Oh, huge. And, and the last time I think they got six bids was in 2016. I think it was eight years ago. They got – they. I mean, that's when the, the league was rolling. And it's fallen off a little bit. But now, you know, everybody always said, like, UNLV has to be great. UNLV and New Mexico have to be great for the league. Well – New Mexico is really, really good. UNLV is still struggling, but you got Utah State now, right? You got Utah State that's been awesome. Colorado State, Nico Meved, what he's done two of the last three years. And I think Nevada has been one of the biggest surprises this season because I don't think anybody sure. saw this coming for Steve Alford, right? Utah State is the biggest surprise, maybe of any team in the country. And I know that we'll get to their loss tonight at home, which was a, a tough one. But before tonight, you know, them in South Carolina would be like 1A and 1B. But Nevada, you look at their numbers, they were in the mid-50s in both Ken Palm and the net going into tonight, but they needed a win like this. They needed another resume win. And, and frankly, that's the beauty of the league this year, right? You've got so many resume wins on the table. As long as you don't lose to Air Force and Fresno and our boy Timmy Miles of San Jose State, you're going to pick off a few. They're going to beat up on each other kind of like the Big 12 is doing right now, just at a little bit smaller level. And, and that's why Nevada's been able to play their way back into the NCAA tournament conversation. Yeah, and Goodman, just to clarify, in 2013, the Mountain West got five bids in a league that only had nine teams. In 2010 and 2012, uh, they got four bids in both of those years. But again, the league only had nine teams. So getting more than half your teams into the NCAA tournament would be what would happen this year if they get six. Henson, this is where I got to talk about Vaulted. Vaulted is an app that allows you to participate in daily cash prize pools without an entry fee. It is the place you can store your own predictions forever. And by using the Vaulted Challenge feature, you can prove you're smarter than your friends. So go download the Vaulted app. That's V-L-T-E-D to challenge your friends, store your predictions, and join daily cash prize pool without an entry fee. My Vaulted Challenge, Henson, I am still saying that the Colorado State Rams who picked up a huge win at home against previously first place Boise State. I'm saying that they're going to win the regular season Mountain West Championship. Do you accept my challenge? I accept your challenge, and I, I agree with it. I think that's a team that we're not really talking about because we were so high on them early and they've kind of faltered, but they're right there in the mix, a game out. Um, you know, the Mountain West in general – Looks to be really good, and, you know, it's so interesting that it's going to be interesting in the pro season, I would say, because I'm not necessarily the biggest fan or proponent of the Mountain West getting six teams because I think if you throw Georgia Tech or maybe a bottom, maybe like Boston College in the Mountain West, then they would make the tournament. I I think they would be – maybe not win it all, but they'd be – They'd be seven. They'd be seven. 
this year. I, I'm just saying, I think Boston College would be right there in the mix. There, there's it's one game between the, the top so. six teams. I, I think, think you're so. thinking of your ACC. Henson, yeah. your ACC <laughs> is different than <laughs> mid-major ACC. We are going – hey, Jeff, I want to revisit this uh, after the first weekend of the tournament. All right, all right. <laughs> Listen, see where gentlemen, going. we got to get – yeah, we got to get to toast that. I think that uh, we'll see San Diego State, if they can – if anyone can come anywhere near what San Diego State did making it to the national title game. Uh, I don't think we've seen BC in the national title game in quite some time, Henson. Um, toast of the night. Goodman, we'll go to you first on this one. <laughs> national title game. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to somebody who uh, – I'm breaking my own rule, somebody who didn't play tonight. I'm going to Southern Miss coach Jay Ladner, who took uh, some time off. Uh, he had a heart issue, and he's stepping away from the program indefinitely. So this is to you, Jay. Get better, my man. Cheers. Henson, go ahead. I'm going to go with my South Florida Bulls at a 9 o'clock primetime game ESPN2 tonight in Tampa. I would have went if we didn't have the show. Sitting firmly atop of the American above, half a game above FAU. Wow. Amir Abdul-Rahim is making history in Tampa, Florida, as we speak. And no one's talking about it, but soon people will. All right. Uh, I have two toasts. My first one is going to go to the Stagger Inn in Lexington. Uh, Stucky, my man over there, hooked me up with a bottle of bourbon, uh, one of their limited Ooh. supply ones. And it is uh, absolutely delightful. The Stagger Inn in Lexington, if you go to Rep Arena, that's the place you got to go. The other one I'm going with, the Dayton Flyers. Nobody's talking about Dayton. They're 19-3 and three right now overall. They just beat up St. Joe's at St. Joe's after getting down by like 13 in the first half. So Dayton Walk Flyers keep an eye on them. They're going to make it run. Listen, this has been the Field of 68 after dark. This has been a blast of a show. It flew by. Appreciate you, PJ Hall. Appreciate you, John Henson. Goodman, we survive with you. Field of 68 after dark.